Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight of my life with Russ Williams and Spencer Oliver on Talk Sport. Hello there and a very good evening. This is Fight of My Life with me, Russ Williams, and my very good friend, him, Spencer Oliver. Over the course of the hour, we're going to be speaking to a former boxer about the defining fight of their career. And in this week's case, not a victory. We've got the build-up for you, the story behind it, the aftermath, the lot. And on this edition of Fight of My Life, we're speaking to this man. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. Eubank time and again has proved himself a quality performer in the ring when it counts. This will be his greatest triumph. Carl Thompson's WBO Cruiserweight title is on the line. Gentlemen, and warrior is exactly the same thing. I'll take a break to another division. This is a big, big jump. Two divisions in one leap. I'm walking out to a crowd who are against me. Look at me. He just rocked Thompson. Thompson's hurt. Thompson is hurt. Eubank's got him going. When you're in the fire and you are somewhat in control, you are in a special place. Now he's indulging in psychological warfare. What I was thinking, when I was thinking, I wasn't thinking. Pay close attention. So before we hear from Chris Livingston Eubank, simply the best Spencer, what fight are we going to be talking about? I kind of teased it, didn't I, at the beginning of the show? And then how do you sum up Chris as a fighter in your opinion? Well, we're going to be talking about Chris Eubank versus Cole Thompson 1. How do I sum Chris up as a fighter? There's one word to sum him up, warrior. This was for the WBO Cruiserweight title. It was up in Manchester in Thompson's backyard. Eubank was stepping up two weight divisions to Cruiserweight. Hadn't boxed at this weight before. And the big question was... Would he be able to withstand the power and the strength of the much bigger Cole Thompson? Well, I have to say we are over the moon that Chris Eubank joins us on Fight of My Life. Chris Eubank, known, of course, as simply the best. Chris, a very warm welcome to you. That's very kind of you. May I just say that I'd like to just put a caveat with uh, your statement. It's one of many of uh, what I regard great fights of my life. It's one of many. You may consider it odd that I've chosen a fight that I, that I didn't uh, get the decision. But you see, one of the reasons I picked it is because sometimes it's not about winning or losing, but mm. it's about showing, showing what's inside you. Well, the one that um, we're focusing on yes. is one of the greatest bouts I think the British boxing has ever seen. It was your fight against Carl Thompson, the WPO World Cruiserweight title, 18th of April, 1998. You'll remember it as if it was yesterday, Chris, at the Nine X Arena in Manchester. And it was a fight that you lost. And we'll come on to how you felt about that and your thoughts on the fight, obviously, as we go through the programme. Can we start at the 
very beginning. Do you remember, Chris, how the fight came about? Do you remember where you were when you found out that the fight was going to happen? Not particularly. When you are working, you're working. Everybody else enjoys the occasion or the crack, but you're working. So it was me at work, and I've worked, I suppose, yeah, (laughs) 52 times over those uh, 13 years as a professional. So I can't say I remember everything, but there are certain principles of which I want to speak on in terms of... Okay. The fight itself, yes. Yes, you don't have to worry, Chris. We're going to jog your memory, almost give you a little prod, and uh, it'll come flooding back to you, I'm sure. You were moving up two weight divisions for this fight. A lot of people in boxing who think they know what they're talking about called it Mission Impossible for Chris Eubank. Did you feel that you were the underdog going into this fight? Did I feel that way? Yes, I felt that way, but that is what gives me the edge. So the sea of people or boxing pundits and uh, aficionados, they think it's against me, but all of what they think is against me because they think that, it makes me the person who is in the driving seat. Let me just qualify that by explaining this point. You see, it's going up against adversity that allows me to win irrespective of the decision. So if you keep in mind or take into consideration the fact that I lost to Steve Collins twice, it's not about winning or losing. When you look at the bigger picture, I went to Ireland on St. Patrick's Day weekend to fight an Irishman. That's the win. See, Rudyard Kipling talks about winning and losing are both imposters. So what is the measure? It's about courage courage. This guy here, he went and did that. And the reason, again, why I'm bringing this up is that I want other fighters to stand up and run towards danger. It inspires us when someone does what no one else will do, what seems crazy. So again, being in that position, uh, sorry, something has just flooded into my mind, which was going to Germany, fighting a guy called Graziano Rocciagiani. This fellow was unbeaten in 35 fights. I went to his backyard as champion. Okay, I won the fight, but again, that's not the point. The point is I went to Germany in a place where they were all against me. So that is the inspiration. That is what makes the fans and the commentators, that's what actually raises them and gives them what? Entertainment. Chris, You jumped up two weight divisions to cruiserweight to take on Cole Thompson, who was considered a very big, strong champion. Was that because you enjoyed the challenge or did you just feel like it was a fight that you could win? I felt I could win the fight. If I'm looking purely at Cole Thompson, I'm saying, oh, no, I am a better tactician than him. I'm a better, I'm better stylistically than him. So I'm seeing all these pluses where I can actually perhaps pick up a cruiserweight world championship. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I thought I could beat him. And for me, I did. For me. Let me qualify that. I went into a celebrity program called I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here back in 2015. I won that particular series. Now, I was the fourth person to be voted out. So I wasn't number one, but for me, I won. Sometimes you shouldn't go looking to win the prize. Maybe that'll cost you too much. Look to win for yourself, which is always acquitting yourself well or acquitting yourself like a gentleman. So long as you come out looking a gentleman, then you have won for you. Chris, tell us about your training camp. You prepared in Cornwall for this one. Chris Eubank prepared in isolation on Bodmin Moor in Cornwall with a few sheep and a couple of sparring partners for company. This is more like his natural habitat, don't you think? The 9X Arena awaits. It was a place, it was a training camp I could go to. It was uh, secluded. It was a great camp, no complaints. I did everything I could do. I always worked to the best of my ability. And yeah, I was ready for both contests. That's the 51st and the 52nd fight of my career, which again, Uh, obviously was Carl Thompson in those two fights. 
this was a big fight for you and I understand completely and the listeners will understand that you know it's the taking part and believing that you won even if you didn't won in any kind of sporting activity and that's a great attitude to have but this fight was a big fight for you Chris because you were attempting to become the first British boxer to become a world champion at three different weights and you had to go to Carl Thompson's native city Manchester to try and do it I'm presuming and you'll put me right I know if I'm wrong that that didn't phase you much at all again that's always the desire I don't want to fight in my hometown where everybody likes me and understands me. Oh, we've seen Chris for years. Uh, yeah, he's a nice guy. No, I want to go where they have disdain for me because I perform better. Why? Because all that energy can be redirected back to the one guy. Because as much as they may not like me or pretend that they don't like me, as much as that may be, they can't fight me. They can't hit me. They can't throw things at me. So all that energy I can use and direct it to the one guy and give them absolute hell. <laughs> and it was wonderful. Oh, let me tell you, <laughs> to think about audiences booing, I tell you what, it makes me, I feel delighted, delighted when I think of those crowds who booed me. They bought into it. What was I doing wrong? As we are fair-minded, intelligent people, I'll make this point to you. Keep in mind, you say you don't like me. You say that I'm arrogant. Well, hold on. Arrogance? So now I can look at what arrogance is to those minds. Arrogance is what the bigot calls ability. I wasn't arrogant. I was doing what I was supposed to do. I'm not supposed to act like a waiter when I'm in the ring for you to like me. In order to win, not like, in order for me to win your love... I have to eviscerate, I have to destroy my opponent, but with grace, with style, majesty, and grace. And if you do that, they don't like you. They will love you. Mm. Did you feel when the fans, not just for this fight, but other fights, booed you, insulted you, shouted things at you? It's almost like there's an element of pantomime in the build-up to these fights and the fights themselves when you get into the ring. Would you agree that that is a fair assessment? Let me just add one more thing that you didn't say. They spat. I remember a guy spitting in my face. This was at the Michael Watson one fight at Earl's Court. See, you have to understand where my mind is. I'm being objective. I'm not being subjective. You're not doing this to me. You're doing this to the alter ego that I have here tonight, which is the fighter. So this is not me. I'm a gentle, softly spoken, quite shy. That's really who I am when I'm not fighting. But when I'm fighting, then I have to become this other guy who is impregnable, who is a walking, talking, living, breathing fortress. He's got style, he's got majesty, he's got grace. He can actually put away his opponents in the most spectacular of ways. But then when you speak to him, he's just a guy or he's a gentleman. So I was doing what I was supposed to do. So again, just to double up on that particular point, what bigots or what haters call arrogance is really ability. The only way a man can be seen to be arrogant is if when he speaks, he speaks above himself. And now, ladies and gentlemen, from Manchester, England, 12 rounds of boxing for the WBO Cruiserweight Championship of the World. From Brighton, England, here is the challenger. the ring, fighting out of the blue corner, ladies and gentlemen, for the Phoenix Boxing Camp in Manchester, England, presenting the WBO Cruiserweight Champion of the World, Carl, the Cap Thompson. Fight of my life on TalkSport, Russ Williams and Spencer Oliver here in the company of one of British boxing's greatest boxers, 
it's Chris Eubank and the fight of Chris's life that he's chosen was against Carl the Cat Thompson at the Nine Axe Arena in Manchester on the 18th of April 1998 for the WBO World Cruiserweight title and Chris you wake up on the day of the fight do you remember how you were feeling okay so how was I feeling when I got up well, I can't remember that, but I can remember how I was, which is that I didn't just do this as a job. I became what I was doing. So I was a pure fighter. So I was always in that mode of I'm being challenged. And first and foremost, being a gentleman, I have to be gentlemanly about my situation. I always have to equip myself well. I have to speak as though I am a champion. Champions don't curse. For me, this is my school. Champions don't say things to their opponents which are derogatory because I want other fighters and other youngsters listening to this broadcast to understand you always have to be a gentleman. Being a gentleman is a champion. So even when you lose fights, you're still regarded as a champion if you conduct yourself as such. Mm. I've seen guys win belts and they then berate or belittle their opponents. Then they only have the belt. They don't have the respect or the hearts of the people. And the hearts of the people is what you're always trying to win. And you only can win it by being a gentleman. Like this particular fight. In fact, you know what? I can actually go back and think about the fact that after this particular contest... The plaudits I got from the media and from the fan base and from the country was extraordinary because I lost like a gentleman. And uh, up until the 12th round, I fought like a warrior, which mm. is yeah. another word for gentleman. You never quit. You always go on. You always push on. You're under pressure. You come back. And what are you doing? You're giving the fans pleasure. It's not just about winning, it's about how you lose. Are you valiant? I know you want to cut in and tell me something here, but a poem has just come to mind. Theodore Roosevelt's. So for all those people who may be criticizing at that time, keep in mind, it is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out where the strong man stumbled or where the do of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, the one who strives valiantly, the one who errs and comes short again and again, the one who understands the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, the one who spends himself in a worthy cause, the one who knows at best in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who, at the worst, if he should fail, at least he fails while daring greatly. Chris, um, we know you have a love of poetry and you've given us a fine example of it there and total relevance to the fight that we're talking about. You are a thinker. You've got a very active brain. I mean, this is a, a simplistic question, but maybe it's got some significance. Before a fight, do you sleep easily? Yes. Yes. This idea of being fearless is quite dumb. <laughs> Without fear, you can't move. But it's having that fear that enables you to do that work. So to talk about fear, I always had fear. It's why I performed. So, you know, as I have pointed out in the past, when you see me standing there in this warrior's statuesque pose, Momentarily, sometimes I have to move because otherwise you see my legs shaking, trembling. There was always fear. Without fear, you just cannot perform. Or, or here is a, an analogy that you may understand. If there are five guys chasing me to beat me up, I'll run, let's say, 100 meters in 17 seconds. If someone pulls a gun, I'll run it in about 12 do you understand? So, you know, yeah. when you have fear, yes. it makes you more intelligent. It makes you absorb punishment in the ring better. It makes you more determined. 
It gives you everything. The only thing to fear is fear itself. Let's get back to the fight. It's the day of the fight. You've arrived at the arena. You get into the dressing rooms. You're getting your hands wrapped. What's going through your head at that point, Chris? What was the general Chris Eubank dressing room like? If Ronnie wasn't singing Danny Boy, Oh, Danny Boy, their pipes, their pie. You know the one. I wish I could sing it like him. He was, uh, he was amazing. Ronnie would be singing that and there would be silence. You know, this is not a social arena. People didn't come into the changing room talking about their subject matters and, you know, what happened yesterday and what's going to happen after the... No. In the changing room, there was silence. When people talk about music, I didn't understand that. I needed my focus. I don't want to hear about a guy rapping about the new bling he's got. <laughs> I didn't want that in my head. And what I was thinking, when I was thinking, I wasn't thinking. There was nothing there. There was nothing in my mind. It's just like interviews. If I know what I'm going to say in the interview, it's never really a top interview. When I don't know what I'm going to say, it's when it's a brilliant interview. And the same follows with boxing. Please. Well, you certainly performed in this fight. We're going to move you from the dressing room. Tina Turner, simply the best. Your favourite piece of music, ring walk music, and uh, there you are in the 9X arena, a baying crowd booing you, and probably worse, as you intimated earlier. Well, they're playing his tune again. Is this Chris Eubank's last stand? You've got a glimpse of that crowd in Manchester. I suppose from what you've told us already, this is where the fear really kicks in. No, 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 no. Let me just go back to that song, Tina Turner's Simply the Best. Let me just make clear, Simply the Best was a gimmick. As Barry Hearn said to me, everybody needs a gimmick. But when he said this to me when I was 23 years old, when we had put together this uh, short-term contract of three fights, he said, you'll need a gimmick. So what song do you want? And I said, I don't need a gimmick. So I'm not interested in songs. He went on and tried to encourage me to actually pick a song and I said I really am not interested in that I can fight and he went away and his wife Susan Hearn picked Tina Turner's Simply the Best had nothing to do with me Eubank tonight bidding to become only the third British boxer ever to win world titles at three weights the others being Bob Fitzsimmons around the turn of the century more recently, Duke McKenzie. When you talk about fear, no, no, no. So when I'm going out there to a baying crowd, oh no, fear is not the point. Not to say that I don't have it, but fear isn't the point. The point is distinction. I'm walking out to a crowd who are against me. Look at me. How wonderful is this? That I'm walking into the lion's den and I'm running towards danger. So or you feel it gives you a sort I'm, of superpower then, do you, Chris? So what am I then? What am I if I'm walking towards certain danger? Of course I'm a superhero. No one else is doing this. Everybody runs the other way. Everybody else backs off as a fighter. Not only are we involved, we are walking towards the danger. How am I doing it? That strut. In that strut is the entire defiance. Yes, this is me. Look at me. All you guys are against me and I'm walking towards you guys. And I'm going to beat your man. And when I beat him, I'm not looking to just win his fan base by the way I destroy him. I'm looking to win the respect and the love of his mother and his father. I'm going to eviscerate him and win the respect of his parents and his siblings by doing it like a gentleman. Never belittling him. Showing the most fantastic skill sets. Doing it in such a way where the parents would say, that's right, my son was beaten by a gentleman. I cannot fault that man. We get into the fight. It's round one. The bell goes. You start very fast, working the body with power, and your speed of hand is great. You're landing some great shots. And the crowd start chanting your name. Now, you're in Cole Thompson's backyard. You're in Manchester, and the crowd start chanting your name. Were you aware of this? Probably I was aware of it. 
only it's not something that I would have warmed to because I preferred the negative. But then I had earned that. I had earned their respect, the ring presence and, and all of what they refer to as the show, which I refer to as the components of being a box office fighter. I sometimes now think about uh, no audiences being in the auditorium. How do you carry a fight? Because if you're only just going to get in there and fight, then you're not going to give the audience a show. But if you are aware that the ring walk is one component and standing on the ring apron is another component and vaulting the ropes is the third component and your ring presence is the fourth component and facing your opponent in front of the referee is the fifth component. And the sixth component is the first three minutes and how you acquit yourself in those first three minutes. And if you can put those all together, then you can carry an audience that is looking at it on the screen, not in the audience, there's no audience, you'll be able to carry a fight in its entirety. But if you're only thinking, I'm going to go in there and have a fight, then you're not taking any notice of all these components, which makes a whole fight. Do you see? Well, Chris, you acquitted yourself brilliantly in that first round, winning the round, showing brilliant hand speed, brilliant body movement. In round two, you land a big right hand that hurts Cole Thompson. He's not moving as much as I would think, but a nice combination there. Oh, he just rocked Thompson. Thompson's hurt. Thompson is hurt. Eubank's got him going. He has the power, even at cruiserweight. And now he's indulging in psychological warfare. Instead of storming in, you seem to just stand back motionless in front of him, assessing him. Did this give you confidence knowing you had the power to hurt a guy that was a couple of weight divisions above your natural weight? Confidence is a very... You have to be careful with this word confidence, really, because you've got it, but you can't be a fool with it. Meaning that if I'm standing there and I'm not buying that you're buckled, then it means that irrespective of my confidence, irrespective of it, I'm intelligent. Let me just be careful here. Also added to that was obviously the Watson 2 fight, where I did lose my finishing instinct and didn't want to bludgeon opponents into submission. So there was always that at play after the Watson 2 fight. If I didn't go forward when I should have, that's more intelligence. And I can remember, I think it was maybe the fourth round, where I caught him with a shot and he buckled again, only to throw a perfect right hand. Perfect. Oh, and a terrific right hand from Eubank, which set the sweat spray. And there there's some kidology from Thompson. You then land a big uppercut and you put him down. Pretended to be hurt and suckered Eubank in. I looked at right hand and now he's got him with a right uppercut. Right uppercut from Eubank who needs to get to a neutral corner. Thompson is down and he may be in trouble. It's a man. Tell us what you're thinking at this stage. Here we are again. <laughs> We're in the fire. It's a beautiful place because you can't always be there. But when you're in the fire and you are somewhat in control, you are in a special place. You are in an exceptional place. Every individual listening to this, how many times have you been in real and present danger? And it's not something you're running from. <laughs> huh? So not many people get this privilege, this wonder of being able to be a live wire. It's not about winning or losing, it's being in the fire. Coming up on Fight of My Life on Talk Sport. I remember saying to Ernie Fossey, slit my eye so that the fluid could drain out so I could see. Slit my eye, slit it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's a bit of a nick under the right eye now at Eubank as well. His left eye is closing up a little, you know. That left eye is closing up significantly for Eubank. That could become a big problem later on. It's becoming something of a slit. Yes, it is. It's closed very fast. That he was squinting through that eye there. Oh, big right hand from Thompson. That hurt Eubank. And is he seeing some of these right hands now through that closed left eye? That left eye could be a big problem for Eubank. It's fighting my life on Talk Sports. Spencer Oliver and me, Russ Williams, we're talking to Chris Eubank. The fight is for the WBO Cruiserweight Championship of the World. Nine-X Arena in Manchester is the venue. We've heard about rounds one to four. Now, Spencer, it really gets going in round five. Yeah, it does. This fight is turning into a brutal fight. And Chris, Cole Thompson starts landing some big shots and your eye actually starts swelling up. Was this a concern of yours at this stage of the fight? Was you struggling to see out of that eye as it was coming up at quite a rapid rate? I'm not talking about other fighters when I say one eye is as good as two. Because if I can see, then I've got a chance. In the environment I came up in, it was always four against my one. So just to be able to see was enough. Please do not see it as a handicap. Because if you see it as a handicap, you take credit away from me. It was not a handicap. I could see him. I remember saying to Ernie Fossey, slip my eye so that the fluid could drain out so I could see. And he didn't have the bottle to do it, rest his soul. Maybe he hadn't done that before. Because you've got to remember, we are inspired by what we see. So I got that from Rocky. Slit my eye. Slit it. And let me just tell you this. Where Rocky is concerned, everything that you see in Rocky 1, everything I did. The kids running behind the beeping where every hand motion while I'm running, I'm waving. The only thing I didn't do is hit the meat. <laughs> I lived through all of that. So think of how magnificent our mind's eye is. That if you concentrate on something, if you see something, you can put it in your mind's eye and live it out. The raw eggs, done it all. I did it all. And it was, it was stupendous. Chris, we get into round six. Both of you guys are trading. Now this fight is becoming very tough. But this wasn't tactical, Chris. This was more of a war. Was that the tactic for you going in? Did you feel that you needed to take the fight to Thompson? Because Thompson's plan was obviously to try and wear you down being a naturally smaller man. Did you feel that tactically that was the right thing to do to try and take the fight to Cole Thompson? You've got to remember, he's a heavier man, so you know mm. his game is going to be, the term is called soak. His objective is to soak me, or to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with him and trade with the heavier man. So his tactic was right, and naturally it would go that way anyway. Because obviously I was heavier, so I didn't have probably the agility that I would normally have at a lighter weight. So toe-to-toe was always going to be the outcome in the later rounds. Now, being able to show that I had the grit to stand toe-to-toe, -to -toe because you've got to remember, there was a lot of people calling me that W word during my career. It was very, very heavy at the beginning. People were not using their brains. They were only using their hearts, meaning that they were listening to people say, oh, this guy, is a, he's a pretender. I was not a pretender. I was the real thing, obviously proven. 
but they were thinking with their hearts to what they were told. And the media always made a, a mockery of mostly everything I did. So yeah, they created this pantomime villain, if you will. And keep in mind, in my mind all the time, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was doing what I was supposed to do. We're getting now to the second half of the contest. We're into round seven. Your eye looks like it's getting progressively worse. Then something remarkable happens in that seventh round. You land a big right hand and Cole Thompson looks ready to go. Everyone was screaming you to finish the fight at this point and you stand off him. Did you realise that he was hurt? Or do you regret not jumping in? Oh, a right hand and Thompson's all over the place. He's all over the place. Roy Francis is on a new back, stands off. Why did he do that? Why did he stand off? I don't have any regrets. The only regret, I, well, I have one regret in my boxing career, and that is what happened to Michael Watson. That's it. When you lose a fight, you haven't really lost because it's your manner that's going to count. You can lose a fight and be seen as a champion. Well, in actual fact, you know what? It gives me the opportunity to actually explain particular perceptions, which are very important. And the next perception is all-encompassing. And if you, the listener, whoever you are, whatever age you are, if you commit this to memory, it will become part of you and it makes sense to your life. And it's called If. It's by Rudyard Kipling and it starts and goes as follows. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can be patient or if you can wait and not be tired of waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating. And yet, don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth, you've spoken, twisted by knaves, to make a trap for fools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe the word about your loss. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, very, very hard. If you can forgive or if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run. If you can forgive, yours is the earth and for you. You will have everything in it. And what is more important than anything else is the aim. You will be a man, my son. You will be a man. Rudyard Kipling, read by Chris Eubank. And Chris, you obviously believe fervently in, in those words. They're words of inspiration. If, Spencer Oliver, you were a judge at this particular fight, Eubank against Carl Thompson, world title fight for the WBO Cruiserweight Championship. How would you be scoring this? Ross, we just got into the second half of the contest by now. I had Chris Eubank at this stage comfortably ahead. He won a lot of the early rounds. The fourth round would have knocked down as well. So yeah, so for me, Chris Eubank was in a sizable lead at this stage. It's a monumental fight, there is no doubt about it. Round eight, Chris, another incredible round. Both of you trading punches, both of you looking a little tired and both looking hurt on occasion. Round nine was a quieter round, but with 30 seconds to go, you land, and I'm sure you remember it, a huge right. Oh, two big rights, and Thompson has to give round. There's a third one. He's all over the place. Will you back go in this time? Thompson is gone again, only to be saved by the bell. You must have thought, he's ready to go. I'm going to win this fight. Uh, when you're in the fight, sometimes you can't see. Sometimes you can't see because you can't calculate. And you're not calculating the past rounds simply because you're not in a calculating mood. You're in a fighting mood or mode. Let me just go back to one thing you said there. You said... If Rudyard Kipling read by Chris Eubank, sir, I did not read that. I recited it from memory. I say that to say this. When you commit things to memory, they become part of you. So it's important, especially to you fighters. 
or especially to those of you who are pursuing a vocation. When you commit if to memory, it makes you better at what you're trying to do. It makes you a better person. Chris, we get into round 10. Now, both of you guys are looking tired. Cole Thompson's had a bad round nine. He looked like he was finished at the bell, but somehow he found the strength to come back and was piling the pressure on you. We get into round 11 and Thompson again is pushing forward and you're both looking exhausted at this time, Chris. Where was you finding the strength at this stage of the fight? The strength is found in integrity. Strength is integrity. Integrity doesn't have a choice. I had no choice. No different to the um, 11th round in the Michael Watson 2 fight. In the fight I couldn't win, I didn't have a choice but to get up. You don't have choice because your choice is always going to be limited. The spirit's choice is always going to be the right one. Please carry on. We get into round 12, Chris. Now the fight is desperately close. And you were visibly speaking to Cole Thompson. What was you saying in there at that point? I would say this. Obviously, I don't remember, but I can tell you why I would have been speaking to him. Because my tank would have been absolutely empty. <laughs> my tank would have been so, absolutely so empty. Kidology. Kidology, yes. I mean, look, it's holding on. It's finding a way to hold on. It's finding a way to persevere. And so you use everything in your arsenal and you're not supposed to use your tongue. It was a fight of attrition. And so I had to call on everything and that mm. became words. I, I have no idea of the words I was using to him, but they would have been gentlemanly. <laughs> that yes. that, that you, could sure. be, you can be sure of, yeah. <laughs> um, Chris, the bell goes. Your team are holding you up saying he's won. Thompson's team, the reigning champion, of course, they're saying Carl's won, and the judges scored it 114-113, 116-113, 114-113 in favour of Carl the Cat Thompson. You would have been disappointed, but did you agree with the result? Okay, so listen to the gentlemen that we all have to be. Yes, I have to agree with the judges. If you're saying personally... Personally, how do you really feel? I have to give you the same answer. Otherwise, I would not be a gentleman. It's a gentleman that carries on living today. What if I had said it wasn't fair? That's what would be living with me today. There is nothing a gentleman wouldn't do that a warrior wouldn't do. And there is nothing a warrior wouldn't do that a gentleman wouldn't do. Always be a gentleman. The score is as follows. Luis Pavon scores the bout 114 to 113. 116 to 113 from John Paris. 114 to 113 from John Stewart for the winner by unanimous decision. And still, Thompson has got it. Such a brave, gladiatorial effort is beaten. And is it the end, you wonder, of Eubank's career? You're listening to Fight of My Life. Spencer Oliver and me, Russ Williams, we're speaking to Chris Eubank. And we've just been through what is certainly one of the great fights in the history of British boxing. Chris Eubank against Carl the Cat Thompson at the 9X Arena on the 18th of April, 1998 for the WBO Cruiserweight Championship. And Chris picked this fight, incidentally, that he wasn't successful in, in terms of winning the fight. After the fight, Chris, you make your way to the dressing room. Take us there, Chris. What happens in that dressing room? Okay, now, I hope this is enlightening for many of the youngsters and the parents who I would like them to pass this to their youngsters, to their children. I'm not going to talk so much of the changing room after that particular fight, which is the first one, but the second one, which was my last fight against Carl Thompson, of which, again, he got the decision because uh, my eye was closed and they wouldn't let me carry on. So if we can go to that changing room. So it's my last fight, my 50-second fight, and I'm in the changing room having been stopped or the referee not allowing me to go on because my eye was closed. This for me, is the perfect way to close my career. 
in what happened during this particular time or moment. So what happened was I went back to the changing room. I promise you I had no idea that cameras were fixed in the room and that Sky Television was watching everything that was going on in the changing room. I promise. Fixed cameras, okay. When I walk in to my changing room, there's a little boy, he must be about six or seven years old. And this little boy said, Chris, can I have an autograph? My response is the perfect way to finish my career. My response is one of the highlights of my career. It's what I probably am most proud of, my response to the little boy. So if you take into consideration the fact that the judges had me ahead on all scorecards, I asked the referee for one more round, wouldn't give it to me. If I felt that I was hard done by, I went to that changing room without knowing cameras were in that room watching a little boy who I would like to know who he is. I would like to find out who that little boy is. I'd like to meet that young man. How did he get access to coming straight after me and say, can I have your autograph? And my response proves everything that everyone has ever said about me which is in the negative or which is in a mocking way, it proves them wrong. Fighters like Carl Thompson have profited from Chris Eubank's presence in the division. But for how much longer will Eubank be around after that? Yeah. There he is. Is he signing an autograph? Make sure all my people come in. Make sure all my people come in. Maybe some friends and relatives. To that little boy, I said, just one moment. My sister-in-law at the time came in and gave me a hug. I signed the autograph and I gave it to the little boy. I didn't berate the boy and I didn't tell him to leave the changing room. Or I didn't say, how did he get in here? Now, that, being a gentleman, especially when there's no one watching, especially is what we have to move towards as, as a race of people. So, Chris, you still don't know how that little boy got in that dressing room to this day? No. You know, now he's going to be a 30-year-old, if my calculation in terms of his age was correct. I'd very much like to be in touch with that young man. What was his perception? Because I signed it and I gave it to him, and I didn't tell him to go away. Or I wasn't angry towards him. Even if I was angry in myself, again, who are you? It's who you are when there's no one watching you. Be a gentleman when there is no one watching you. That's when you are a whole man, which is what we as the human species are all trying to actually attain. Why did you choose Eubank Thompson one as the fight of your life? As I said earlier, that it was one of them, but it is one of them. If I'm speaking about something that I didn't win, and I'm telling you that I won, now you can see how I won. I acquitted myself well. Or perhaps the wise way to put it is as follows. When you win, you can lead. And when you lose, you can guide. And what are we? You know, we are humans going through this, this magic of life. And we have to pass back what we learn to the youngsters. We have to pass on what? You have to be a gentleman. It's great being a gentleman. It's wonderful being a gentleman. It is stupendous being a gentleman. It is magnificent to be a gentleman. Gentleman and warrior is exactly the same thing. Here's a question for you, Chris. And I think you might have a couple of different answers. Did boxing make you rich? Oh, I was always rich. Now, that could have been a reaction. So let me think about it. I've always been rich because I've always been a gentleman. Chris, if there was anything that you could change that you've done in your career, what would it be? That Michael Watson was not, that he wasn't made disabled by what happened in that fight. That's it. Winning and losing are imposters. Remember, we were talking about if. If you can meet with 
triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. You know, it's not winning or losing. I, I don't have any regrets about losing. Losing showed that I was a gentleman, even when they were saying that he's arrogant. Because I lost with grace. I lost with my eyes wide open and with my head held high. I didn't lose like a brat. I lost like a gentleman. Chris Eubank, father, sporting icon, world champion and gentleman from Spencer and myself. Thank you so much for being with us on Fighting wow. My Life. I, I, have, I have shivers going through me, you giving me those superlatives. Shivers, thank you very much indeed. I really appreciate you. This has been Fighting My Life with the great Chris Eubank, part of Series 2 of Fighting My Life on Talk Sport. Keep listening. Plenty more boxing life stories and Series 3 in the planning stage already. Until next time, from Spencer and myself and Chris, it's goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.